Alchemy of Housing Justice, a podcast where we explore the collective magic we need to reimagine our housing future. I'm your host, Sarah Hunter, and I'm excited to get into this first episode. But before we do, a little about me and a little about what this podcast is about. I am a student of philosophy and social change, um, 40-something, white, queer, tinkering co-parent, and also a big introvert who is learning to live into how that makes me this person meant to love on people in a way that we get to creating a more just country than the one we've got. And I find myself in the constant and joyful struggle between rarely being satisfied and knowing that I play just a very small part in transformation. I've spent some time fighting for housing from in and around the federal government and am now a part of a little collective of folks taking our experiences with these structures to try to help communities transform housing and homelessness systems toward justice. Over a series of episodes, we'll take some time with guests to explore and discuss the intersections of transforming our systems, transforming ourselves, and transforming one another in ways that keep us moving toward our collective liberation from the deep roots of colonialism in land and homeownership. And as we break open these concepts across episodes, I hope you get a sense of what is centered in our storytelling, people's lived experiences, their values, and their visions for a transformed future. While the stories and concepts talked about here will be grounded in the pursuit of housing justice, we also recognize that all justice is interconnected, and we're starting from the belief that it will require many strategies and tactics to find this freedom. In our journey together, we'll explore a set of tactics we are seeing emerge as we stand alongside people, communities, and movements working toward housing justice. I'm joined in this episode by co-conspirator I've had the privilege of learning from in a couple of different circles at this point, and each time I am changed and changing by him. Alexander Lex Perez is originally from Long Island, New York, and is an intentional light worker in every community you find him in. He knows the value of presence and visibility in this world. He works on solutions for topics such as youth experiencing homelessness, trans and gender nonconforming rights, public health, and works with spirit, community building, and intentional healing through art. Welcome to the podcast, Lex. I've been so excited to have this conversation with you. I'm practically jumping out of my chair. Hunter, thank you so much for having me here for this conversation. I'm really excited to discuss more, a topic of conversation that really has been um, something I've been sharing, something I've been dreaming about with other people in collective and community and soul tribes. Um, and I love uh, the way that we've been able to sort of discuss and imagine uh, what collective can look like, um, especially when it comes to the housing arena, when we start changing ourselves from the inside out. So thank you for this conversation. Yeah, it's so good to be here with you, Lex. So let's get into it then. Let's begin by talking about the idea of changing ourselves in a way that is about our collective identity, something you just sort of brought in, one that's rooted in our relationships one with one another and what what that means for us in the pursuit of housing justice. Like, I, how I imagine Grace might say that it's our conversations that actually, that move us, um, that progress us, that move us to the place we want to be. Um, and so it matters who we're in conversation with on housing justice, right? Who needs to be in the conversation together? 
Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot, um, especially someone who works uh, with with um, with the viewpoint of lived experience, having had um, experience sort of like chronic homelessness and sort of being in different advocacy arenas. Um, and honestly, everybody, everyone needs to be a part of this conversation from real estate agents to celebrities to um, people who are in office. Um, and the reason why um, I feel that this is important is because when I think about collective, the word holistic feels synonymous. So when I think about the center of our conversations of who needs to be talking about housing justice, who needs to be thinking about housing justice, um, it sounds like something that also involves holistic healing, which to me involves the collective. And so everyone who, um, everyone who has to think about the idea of a home, which is everybody, um, uh, should be a part of this conversation and how we hold space for one another, um, how we activate one another uh, in these conversations. Yeah, I mean, thinking about sort of broadening that collective, but also thinking very specifically about um, uh, what it means to, you know, like many of the conversations and rooms that I've been in uh, where we're trying to figure out, like, well, what do we do next? Like, whether that's at the community level or whether that's at the, the national level. Mm -hmm. For a long time, those conversations were with people whose like work and job was in the sector, right? Like whose, mm -hmm. whose job was working on a housing program or whose job was working on policy. And um, we've seen sort of the, the movement of mm -hmm. lived expertise and the like value and brilliance that um, folks who have lived experiences of houselessness um, coming into conversation and really transforming the way conversations are both happening and right. the like the ideas that like are we're moving forward um, and I I like just love like having been in some conversations with you about that I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that yeah um, you know I believe that when it comes to uh, building or creating systems or, or currents of change, we really need to listen to the experts involved, you know, the, the young people um, involved in, in housing justice, those that like literally are impacted by um, these policies and, and these, these, you know, um, yeah, these tools that we're creating. I also feel that um, that young people, as well as older people who have been advocating for a long time uh, with lived experience, you know, for housing justice, um, we need to have like more of an intergenerational representation of what it means to have uh to like what what does housing justice mean when we're um when we're having this conversation without people who it directly impacts you know um and so i feel like for sure being able to amplify the voices of young people the voices of young black people young brown people young people of color people um who have different maybe immigration statuses people um, who are trans, non-binary, two-spirit, you know, um, really, I feel that um, 
a lot of the people who experience housing um, instability who are also like differently abled or differently capable, you know, um, I feel that this conversation needs to for sure involve those who historically and categorically have been left out or housing justice has been sort of like a large issue um, because um, I feel that, you know, I forget who said this, but, you know, how we think about a society and where we are, you know, if, if we think about who we leave out, you can say a lot about, you know, how society is working. Um, and so I feel that that is also very important is thinking about, um, you know, the people that we're speaking of, you know, um, and who is behind creating these policies and how far are they from the, um, from the proximity of this experience. And so I often think about like, when we're creating systems for people from a place of privilege, then how could we ever truly know what the depth of this need can look like? You know, um, hopefully I got, uh, got to the answer. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. And you like, you know, like those intersection, like the intersectionality, mm -hmm. the intersections, both of our, um, our own personal identities, uh, like our racial identities, our gender identities, our sexual orientation, all of these, and our ability, all of these identities, both mm -hmm. like as individuals and what it means to like show up in um, conversation with other people with our whole identity, all of our identities um, directly and centering um, you know, black trans mm -hmm. young people, for example, as a way to like actually build toward the world that actually is a world that is safe and healing mm -hmm. and loving, even from a housing space. Like you've talked about that. Tell me a little bit more about sort of those ideas. Yeah, like I, you know, I feel that um, the way that we speak about housing is is kind of violent. <laughs> you know, the way that we speak about who is worthy of housing um, and and just the way that society goes about, you know, like even when we talk about housing vouchers and things of that nature, like being rewarded or being, you know, um, you know, like a lottery, housing lottery, all of these things are, are very aggressive, you know, in nature. And I feel that the more that we centralize the conversation and also like, activate what is the accessibility to these conversations right what is what is the language you know i'm coming from a place of of being able to advocate and learn things you know and have people really you know ha uh put me under their wing you know um so i'm coming from a place of privilege a pr place of privilege as far as like being someone who is also lighter skin and being someone who can be perceived as masculine or male you know and we have to all unpack you know, what identities are we bringing to the table, right? Because um, though I have this access, also, like, I'm not someone who is, um, I'm not someone who is necessarily, uh, you know, ha has, um, you know, cred credentials that say that I can be in certain spaces, like other peers, you know, however, how we create access for one another, you know, even me being on this podcast is how we leverage the field, you know, how we are able to activate the conversation and make room for one another, uh, no matter our intersection is, is really how we're able to, um, you know, when I think about, um, um, when I think about 
grace, you know, I'm, I think about also that change from within ourselves. So the more you know yourself, really, the more that you can unpack, like, okay, what am I bringing to the table? And actually, how can I make room for someone else? Maybe, maybe, um, maybe I'm trying to save time or try to remedy something without really knowing the roots of this issue. Um, and, and maybe the roots are uncomfortable and I need to challenge that within myself so that I can listen to someone else who um, may know, know the cure, right? Um, and that's, how, that's really how I see that. When you were talking about sort of the violence of housing and, and the ways that, um, you know, the ways that the way that the current system sort of does like, in some ways, like enact violence on people because it doesn't treat, it's not doesn't center people. It centers like approaches and programs and housing. It doesn't center like the people who are experiencing the crisis um, in the policies and the the practices and sort of like at that structural level. It doesn't really take into account the ideas and the the identities that folks hold. And I think, so like, that's sort of what I wanna bring into this next conversation, Lex. Like, so as we continue to evolve this idea of what it means to change ourselves, let's see if we can make it a little more concrete in those ways. Like, I think, I think back to one of the sort of pivotal um, teachings and ideas that Grace came back to over time in her work is this sort of idea of how we might keep evolving toward radically different structures. Um, and that idea is something she, that she saw shift specifically um, in Martin Luther King Jr.'s ideas too. Um, and we see uh, like this particular King quote that I'm gonna read pop up often in her writings and in her speaking engagements and her public sort of speaking. And it just seems to make a lot of sense for us here too when we're talking about housing. So I'm gonna share this quote from, um, from MLK. MLK said, I'm convinced that if we're to get on the right side of the word revolution, we as a nation must undergo a radical revolution of values. We must begin to rapidly shift from a thing-oriented society to a person-oriented society. And in this quote, he was specifically referring to a need to invest in young people in order to help them transform themselves and their institutions at the same time. So that brings up sort of a way we might imagine something different for me, like as I've been sort of trying to digest this, is that so much of what our so-called work is in the housing and homelessness space is organized around housing as a commodity, right? At that one of the big shifts that we need to make that a transform transformation we need to make in ourselves as actors in a system in order to change policies, how we change ourselves, is to move the sector of work organized around a commodity, the thing um, that's housing for us, right, to one that is instead oriented around us. Like it's ori around oriented around people's experiences in the safety and security of their own homes that this changing of ourselves and of the world is what housing justice means. Like that's the future we're trying to get to. So I can't wait to hear what this brings up for you, Lex. What is this, this way of talking about this inspire for you? Yeah. Wow. Hunter, like so much, um, so much. Um, I think about how, 
when we get older, um, sometimes, you know, we try to intellectualize or um, think so much about, you know, that being adult and adulting and like is, is knowing what we're doing. And I think that we see that everywhere. We see that in policy. We see that in activism, that we forget um, our, our, our roots, you know, and to me, when I think about a root, <laughs> I think about kids. I think about young people. I think about um, the brilliance that there is without without necessarily knowing. Um, and I think about how um, sometimes we get very disconnected um, from from being human, from knowing that it's not about just fixing something. It's about creating. It's about um, revolutionizing the way that we experience um, housing and what's comfortable. And just because this is the way we've done it doesn't mean that's how we should continue to do it. Um, and it also inspires this, um, this, this, this whole thing that we're speaking about from, you know, healing ourselves or, or changing ourselves to then uh, change others or inspire others to change and then change the things around us, you know? And when I think about that, like, this is like nothing that I, that I wrote down, but when I think about that, I think about, you know, inner child healing. And I think about um, how, what that means as a collective, as we think about housing justice, right? Like, what do you associate as being a home or, worthy of being a home, you know, how do we translate um, what that is, you know, um, and what is housing justice if it um, is not centering um, this idea that everyone um, uh, who who is battling, you know, whether it is having a home, you know, being out, being, you know, jumping from couch to couch, that, you know, they too um, need to be um, able to have this conversation. What I hear from you is a bit of what it means to live in a home and have like all of the pieces that we need to feel safe and secure in our in our homes and how our like housing and homelessness systems need to be centered around that. And I and that to me feels like transformation also just juxtaposed um, with like sort of transactional relationships, right? So like thinking about relationships that way, and how many and how often the sort of programs and processes and practices that we set up are transactional by nature in the housing space. Um, and I wonder if you would talk a little bit about your experiencing working in the sector, and what it meant for you to like, sort of break uh, that sort of transactional nature of um, sort of being a part of the work. Thank you, Hunter. Yeah. So, you know, working as a youth advocate and rapid rehousing specialist and, you know, all the things um, with housing and, and youth, um, I, the more that I had conversations with other young people, mind you, like, I'm also another young person recently have experienced, um, you know, the, the housing justice system, um, I really sat 
um, to think about like the conversations that I had with these young people and these young people often, you know, it wasn't about, you know, like not necessarily being able to get a home on their own. It wasn't necessarily um, about their capacity. Like um, a lot of these young people were so motivated and so skilled um, that I, I often looked at them and like, wow, like I could, I could take a, a page out of their book. You know, a lot of them that, that experienced things that I'm, I, I, even I was just like, yeah, how are you able to do so much? Cause I feel like, um, the, the younger, the, the younger the generations are like the, the more amazing they, they are, you know, in my eyes, the more, um, I don't know, open-minded they are. Um, and so I witnessed a lot of young people it, actually, you know, it became a conversation of worth, you know, it became a conversation of, you know, not just having, having housing, but having a home, you know, what does having a home mean, you know, um, and, and not just having a conversation of like, you know, where are your pay stubs or like, you know, um, uh, you know, where is your, your, your psychosocial or whatever, like, is, is, is more so a conversation of like, actually, where are you? Actually, the conversation became a lot of times with them was like, hey, like, I know that like, you have experienced trauma with adults, you know, with older adults. And I want to let you know that I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to help you succeed. And so as another young person who's experienced this system, I know that I can tell you that I'm going to tell you exactly what I can do and what I can't do. And that was, you know, when I really understood changing this conversation and it not being so transactional and letting them know, like, actually, if you can tell me what you can't do, I can do something with that. You know, like us communicating is better than not communicating at all. And so if you communicate with me, like, I can't do this because my mental health is here, or I, I can't do this because, you know, um, honestly, I, I actually don't have a job and I've been doing this on the side, you know, I can, I can advocate for you. I can work with you. Now, what I realized um, working in this arena often was that um, bureaucracy doesn't really have room for being a person and having person things happen to you, you know? Um, it, it really is a limited space that like being able to have someone with like, like as myself with lived experience advocate for these young people, I could add the nuanced conversation of like, Hey, like this person totally, you know, is, is trying to have a job. However, they're traumatized, you know, or however they don't understand, um, you know, they don't understand where they are right now. Because sometimes this thing happens when you receive housing that, um, you know, you've been surviving for so long that you don't know how not to fight. And so now that you're in a home, now all these things that you're dealing with while you were out on the street um, are coming back to you. And so I started realizing the conversation needs to be holistic. The conversation needs to be intersectional. And it, it, it's got to be better than just I'm offering you a home. You know, like, what about the curtains? What about the bed? What about, you know, and also what about you? You know, where are you? 
you know, like you're working, you're going to school, you know, you're doing all the job uh, interview things that we ask of you. However, you're barely present. And that's what really got to me was realizing how many young people were accomplishing so much, right? You know, this idea of accomplishments. Um, however, they weren't even present to even feel that they were at home, you know? Um, and so what I realized is that a, a lot of them, um, it was hard for them to even maintain, you know? And a lot of people that I know, you know, who deal with housing instability that are also young people is like, you know, how do I understand that I'm worth having a home? You know, if everything in my life or everything I've experienced has taught me how to lose a home, has taught me that I'm not worthy of a home. Actually, maybe even people that I grew up around or with told me that I'm not worthy of having a home, actually put me out of a home. So how do I heal and how do we heal together to say that you're not competing for a home and, and, that, and that the system is wrong for telling you that there's not even enough room for you. That actually, it, it, it's not a people issue, it's a system issue that sees the numbers more important than the reality of what it is to be out on the street. Yeah, I, I hear that. Uh, I mean, I just keep coming back to like centering people, right? Centering um, the experience that people have in the system instead of the commodity itself. I mean, obviously we have to provide, we have to, we have to make the, the circumstances where housing is an, an opportunity that folks can have, but like what's reorienting and recentering to something else. And like in all the discussion that we've just had, like it's, you know, I'm thinking about myself, like what do I need to change about myself? What do I need to change about the way I think about things to be able to really like think, be able to um, push practices and policies in a different way in order to actually do that centering around the person and not, you know, not go back to business as usual, not go back to the regular um, arguments, but really what are the art, like how do we actually get there? That's, you know, like it's really taking what you're just talking about, Lex, and like, having each of us like change ourselves in order to change our narratives and change the structures and change the systems. You know, in a broad sense, I have two words, which is grace and gratitude. I feel um, a lot of this work, um, especially for me as, as like uh, a first gen, you know, um, Afro, Latinx, you know, man of trans experience, two-spirit person, all these amazing, wonderful, beautiful things um, is, is recognizing the value, the, the value that we all have and also recognizing when I come to the table, um, identifying, you know, the white buffalo in the room, like, um, what stands between you and I? What stands between myself and everyone? What, what stands between someone else and myself? Um, can we be real about the pain? Can we be real about maybe our preconceived notions of, what, of, of, of who is important or what is worthy? 
And can we realize um, when we're on the same team, you know? Um, and I, I feel so heavily, you know, this, this, uh, this quote that it's not about simply the oppressed and the oppressors, you know, it's about, it's a system that is, that is oppressing us all. And so if I can, if I can sit here and say, you know, like maybe, you know, I've been hurt, you know, I've been traumatized by a system that it, for all intents and purposes, it's intentionally cracked. <laughs> it's intentionally broken for me to fall through it, you know? Um, and there's been a lot of moments that I had to realize that um, because of a conditioning of, of saying like people like me are not meant to survive this, I didn't know how to receive help from a lot of people that were trying to just love me and help me through it, you know? Um, and I sat there and had to realize like, okay, so I have to, I have some healing that I need to, uh, but there was never room for recognizing this healing without people who had grace, people who gave me gratitude and love and tenderness uh, for me to recognize that. And then also for me to say like, yo, like, I may not have the appropriate language or vocabulary all the time. And, um, and that's okay. Like when we're talking about these arenas, these, these, these tables where we're, where funders are at, um, then we need to have our funders be ethical, moral individuals that are questioning, you know, why am I funding this? You know, like, why am I stipulating that some people get funding and others don't? So I'm also thinking about, um, the, the 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 empathy right and also like if we're if we're destabilizing this transactional expression of uh, of of change in the world then we must be discerning of where the money is coming from and why and saying that just because you're offering this doesn't mean it's good enough and doesn't mean it helps anything and so it it means it means leveling out ego in the room and saying, um, if what stands between you and I is because you have an idea of, of who should be in that home, then, then, then maybe this is not your line of work. And being honest, maybe being honest with each other about um, how we can um, uh, bring people into positions of power, you know, um, like, you know, um, black and brown, young black and brown people, marginalized, so-called marginalized people, um, and bring them to the forefront and say that this is your space. And so let's imagine this together, right? Because um, it's 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 like I think maybe a, a fantasy to say that we can just like, you know, uh, uh, um, remove it all or 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 de deconstruct it all. I think a very important conversation is like, where is the privilege now, right? And who has that privilege now? And what do you plan to do with it? Lex, you, you talked about grace and gratitude. And I, you know, I, I actually feel every time I'm around you, like I, I feel that learning for you. I feel that all those ways that people have um, brought you grace and gratitude because you give it so freely to other people. And I, I'm just very thankful um, to be in this conversation with you. And I, um, uh, I hope that folks who are listening are too. Thank you again, Lex, for this conversation and for 
all the ways you are transforming and leading transformation of homelessness and housing. I'm, I feel very, very, very grateful to be able to be in conversation with you. Um, I really appreciate you joining us for this podcast episode. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. Um, I, I love our conversations and how we're able to um, create create space. Um, and it really means a lot to be able to uh, vocalize so much that has been on, on my mind, in my spirit, <laughs> in my heart. Um, and yeah, um, nonviolence and being able to see that, um, you know, I, I think about the whole, like, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world <laughs> blind. You know, I think about how um, there's so much, there's so much good in this world. There's so much that, um, that if we were to make the room to listen, if we were to make the room to um realize that you know you know we're all sort of like you know spirits having a human experience that we can see beyond this shell <laughs> that we're existing in and 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 realize that this thing that keeps us apart is actually a myth you know this thing that keeps us from um seeing that we are all capable of change at any point in our journey is the same thing that has been making it hard for all these good things to happen, which is like housing justice, um, or excuse me, just just having accessibility to homes and food and you know healing um, are just an illusion. That you know, I I feel that the more that we have these conversations, that like the one we're having right now, the more we come to our awareness and bridge the gap. Um, and so I'm thankful that I feel, I feel there's an awakening happening. Um, and the more that we amplify this and the more that we are able to be vulnerable in the mind of Brene Brown, <laughs> um, the more that we can be vulnerable about what, what holds us back, what hurts us, you know, um, what inspires us and, 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 um, and having grace and gratitude for real at the center of that change, I feel um, is so important. Um, so thank you for having me to have this conversation. A very special thanks to producer Terrence Walker for both your creative influence in this podcast, your technical brilliance, and continuing to shine on and with us. Thanks to the team of worker owners at the Housing Justice Collective, Josephine, Riviana, Nikki, and Kevin. It's an honor to constantly strive to be better alongside you. And we would like to thank Funders for Housing Opportunity and Anna Leva for letting us experiment in all the ways that might help us move collectively toward transformation. Follow us at housingjusticecollective.com. Check out Trey Ward's music on all streaming platforms and subscribe to the Alchemy of Housing Justice podcast wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>